Hey, this is Cameron. Hey, this is Justin. We want to give a big shout out to Seven Element Athletics. They do so many great stuff for active duty and veterans in the, in the athletics arena, whether it's ice hockey or any types of sports to give veterans an outlet for things to do to keep them busy, to give them ice time and everything. They do a fantastic job. Cameron, we've both been a part of Seven Element Camps, and it's a great way to raise money to help out veterans, right? Absolutely. They do great work. They take care of everybody. It's fantastic. So make sure you visit 7element.org or visit them on Facebook, on Twitter, anything to give them a lot of support. I know CMACE and Hal Guild, they're a part of it as well. They do great, great work with people in our community to help give them an outlet and things to do when they're off duty or when they are retired, when they're done. And it's for first responders too. So it's not just those that have been in the military, but first responders are part of this. Make sure you do everything you can to support 7element, our official podcast sponsor. Get them tax credits. Hey Justin. Hey Cameron. How's it going? I am really tired. I've been traveling a lot. How about you? Yeah. You really have been traveling on a lot. Let's see. Where does this date back? You're you're (laughs) traveling. Pre-Winter Classic, I believe. Yeah. Just before the Winter Classic. Yeah, didn't you go somewhere before the Winter Classic? Um no. I don't know. Maybe not. So it's in town for the holidays. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, no, I think I'm good. Yeah. Did a lot of traveling though. Yeah. You drove to the Winter Classic. Yes, Jeremy Gover and I drove to the Winter Classic. A I, tank. Yeah. And that was that was interesting and fun. I saw you asked for a big vehicle and then had to send it back for another bigger vehicle. Yeah, I had a lot of shit to haul. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, didn't have a lot to haul back. Yeah, that was a good. good thing. But it was it was a lot of fun, a lot of free things for a lot of people that participated in the PBR road trip, so, yeah. which was awesome and fun. The Winter Classic, yeah. aside from the result for Nashville fans, yeah. was a great experience. It's interesting that you mentioned that because obviously I was there and like immediately following the game, I'm seeing on Facebook and on Twitter people being like, glad I didn't spend thousands of dollars to go see that. They're jealous. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, I'm like, you know, the team's been playing like this all season. Right. Like, I'm not surprised <laughs> by the outcome today. And I still came. Like, <laughs> And at least they scored so people could celebrate. It wasn't a shutout. No. That's what would have been awful had the team been shut out and you'd had no reason to celebrate other than the intros. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's good for the, like, you know, the spectacle of things, though, because they put on showcase everything they had done wrong all season long <laughs> on national television you know, when there's only one game going on. <laughs> Here's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> and then a change happened pretty quickly right after that, after the road trip. Yeah. And, you know, let's let's go back and talk about that a little bit. Because what was your reaction to that whole development? Because it was pretty quick where that night we get the announcement that um, La Violette is gone. And then they're like, no announcement at this time for... You know, who the next coach is. And that, like, that 12-hour window, I guess. <laughs> Maybe a little bit more than that. But, a lot of uh, speculation. A lot of speculation. It was it was an interesting time, for sure. <laughs> it, it was, and it was one of those things, too, that, 
you could tell they're probably trying to work because they had to work quickly. Yeah. And they didn't even name an interim. They didn't make any assistant coaches in interim because they got rid of Laviolette and McCarthy, obviously. Yeah. And you, you keep the other two. And you keep Muse and Lambert. So it shows that, obviously, they knew the package deal of Laviolette and McCarthy were the mm-hmm. ones that had to go. And so you're waiting. Like, they didn't name Muse or Lambert in interim. So they already had... They were working on something. Because that's what they would have done is name an assistant coach interim yeah. for, for a few games even while you're working on something else. So that's when all the things started pointing to was, well, is it going to be DeBoer, who I rode an elevator with? Or is it going to be Hines and all this stuff? And, and Hines ended up being the guy. And, of course, connections. Look at the connections that he has to the Predators organization or had to the Predators organization before being a part of it, just in terms of Jeff Kelty, David Poyle, being a development guy with USA Hockey, uh, all these kinds of things. That it, made, it was one of those things that, to me, it made sense why they went with him. I don't necessarily think it at the time made sense that that was the right thing to do, which yeah. I'll, I'll hold on that because I still want to see how the season plays out. I don't want to have the instant judgment of the hiring like that. Yeah. Um, I would have preferred an interim tag. Obviously, John Hines probably didn't want an interim tag mm-hmm. with all those things happening because then it gives you an out at the end of the season to make a change if you need to. But I do what I have liked from him is that he's been very open to discuss things when being asked about things in post-game press conferences. He's mm-hmm. willing to talk and talk in detail. If you ask him a question, he's going to answer your question. He's going to talk about stuff. He's going to talk about development. He's going to talk about what he wants to change here and there. And that's where you can tell it's kind of a younger breed of coaches coming in. Mm-hmm. Or overall, they do want to make an impression and discuss a little bit of things with the media. And, I mean, that could change, but I don't think it will. He doesn't seem like that kind of person. He's a developmental guy, and developmental guys like to be able to talk. He's either from mm-hmm. junior all the way into what he's been doing now. So, overall, I'm, I'm okay with it right now. We'll see how the season progresses. But if this team is not in playoff position come trade deadline, they should be active. Mm-hmm. And more. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking to that active level, whether or not they're in the playoffs or not, I feel like now is the time to make a move for Nick Benino. Mm. Simply because... He's worth something right now. That's the thing. His trade value will never be higher. You can put him up to somebody who's still in the mix of things and get a decent return. You can get maybe a prospect, maybe some quality picks, things like that. And while some people would say, like, well, Nick Benino is the only one doing anything good. It's like, well, yes, but how long will that continue? <laughs> you make a good point, and it's one of those things is now is finally clicking for a reason, though. That's based true, Based on too. previous things with, with Benino. So, I mean, there's two sides yeah. to that as well. Yes, the return would be great, but do you want him to solidify that bottom six, like what he's been doing <clears throat> yeah. as well? Now, if you're going for the whole change thing, then yes, you're going to get a return. You're going to get a higher pick mm-hmm. or a higher-end prospect because at least he has another year left. Mm-hmm. He's not just a full-out rental no. for a team as well. So that value, the value increases if they agree that his value is his contract, which right now he's playing to that value given what other centers are paid around the league. He's playing to that value with what he's produced this season. So the return should be higher, especially for a team that is vying to really make a serious run. Is this team still in the market? Well, we've seen how, what, position 9 in the Western Conference to 18 vary by a span of, what, two points? Mm -hmm. So you could win one night, and you're in the top 10, lose another night, and you're in the bottom third (laughs) of the league. And you're firing your coach for your rival's coach. (laughs) Right, which is crazy for a legit rival. A team that that fan base hates. The Vegas Knights hate San Jose, and San Jose hates Vegas. That's a fun rivalry already. 
So it has been very interesting to see all these all these coaching changes and swaps and flip flops and everything so far this year. And Nashville got to be a part of that. <laughs> and this this is the point where Nashville's been talked about in the sports world for a little bit because the Titans making their run, mm-hmm. beat making huge upsets over the Patriots and the Ravens, the Predators making a coaching change, and not as talked about as much in the sports world yet, but the MLS team continuing with with their first draft yeah. like that and training camp getting ready to begin for them, the season getting ready to begin at the end of the in February. So there's a lot going on in Nashville sports. I was <laughs> impressed with the footage I saw of um, Nashville SC's uh, – jersey reveal oh yeah simply because it had already been revealed like a week before <laughs> online but yeah like they packed the place they were at the wild horse saloon yeah. and that's a big place to pack and for their draft pick to travel all the way up to indiana with mm-hmm. some supporters and the kid had no clue yeah like they were able to keep that hidden and working with the league to surprise this kid at his house and show up and go Welcome to Nashville. <laughs> pretty big in the organization to pull that off. Yeah. However, they're able to do it, which is pretty cool to see that, that they're trying to do the grassroots growth and show mm-hmm. they really want to be the hometown team uh, for people because it's it's awesome to see that just for sports because now with the Titans having their deep run, you know it's going to make the work harder for SC and the Predators. For t- everybody's vying for money. And, yes, yeah. the city's growing a lot, but when you have a team that makes a deep run – it affects the other ones. So when the Predators had their deep run and you had a lot of people buying tickets, you could tell because the Titans were selling out games because they were not playing so well. Yeah. And all of a sudden it's going to flip a little bit. And it, I understand it. That's what I want, though. I want a high level of competition between these sure. sports franchises because then they have to try that much harder for the fans yeah. and be that much better. And, you know, I think, um, you know, just to be a little candid, I think a lot of Predators fans are feeling like the franchise is a little bit stagnant at the moment as far as, like, fan relations. It is year of the fan after all, but um, I I think there's areas for improvement that have been brought up, not to go into too much detail, but um, I think it's, it's definitely a good thing across the board that... Titans are being competitive. MLS is right around the corner, mm-hmm. and people are getting excited about that. And they all uh, publicly support each other. I yeah. You want your city to do well. Yeah. You don't want another franchise to fail. You want your city to do well because it all helps everyone. Yeah. You just want them to work hard to make sure fans are happy, do things for the fans, hopefully mm-hmm. not outprice the fans. So like Adam Vingan had that article in The Athletic mm-hmm. uh, about how the, the aura has changed. In yeah. And I think some of that is just fans getting older. Like, I was in a rowdier fan when the Preds went on a deep run, but, you know, I'm a little more... Um, a little more conservative now in your fandom? No, I mean, it's not that. It's just... Uh, <laughs> especially after the Predators went on that deep run when they were the eighth seed, right. it's that much tougher to care about, you know, a regular season game against Ottawa on a Tuesday. <laughs> Because you realize how meaningless games like that are when, as long as you get in, no big deal. And now they're now they got to get in. Yeah, that's the (laughs) whole thing. Now they're in a position where even that's looking like it's going to be an obstacle. Yeah, and it's it's the thing that helps them in the Pacific is mediocre. Mm -hmm. That helps them a lot, and they have still have games in hand, even going into the break. They have games in hand Mm -hmm. on teams ahead of them. And eventually we're gonna have we're gonna have to stop talking about that because we're not gonna have games in hand. Mm-hmm. Eventually it's gonna be April, and we're like, okay, where yet? Yeah. So they, they they have plenty to work on. That was a good way to go into the break with a win. Yeah. At home on a Saturday. 
because those have been hard to come by. Well, let's talk about that for a moment. Like, you know, with this coaching change, like, you know, you kind of talked about, you know, leaning more towards interim. How, like, I know there's been a lot of games and stuff like that. How do you feel about that? You know, how do you feel that this change is starting out? Do you feel like it was the right move at that time? You know, what's your overall opinion? I mean, it was time. And everybody, I think, kind of agrees that it was time. This didn't know exactly what to replace it with mm-hmm. because you need to evolve and you could tell the system was not evolving with the league. And mm-hmm. that was the issue right there. So what we've seen more now are trying to get the forwards more involved, having actual breakout passes from the defensemen of the forwards to get it up for, closer, more focus on a quality of shot instead of number of shots. Um, so things things like that is what I'm starting to see. And then giving some younger guys opportunities as well. Uh, I mean, shoot, the first line got totally mixed up on Saturday mm-hmm. uh, as well against Buffalo. So slight changes, but you can't implement a whole system overnight. Yeah, It's got to be little things here, little things there, little things here, little things there. And then also, on top of that, the goaltenders have to be, have strong play. You can't go and develop a new system for the goaltenders. They're either, they're either doing well or they're not. I thought I didn't watch the game. I was at the movies, I believe, but I liked the outcome <laughs> in uh, Winnipeg mm-hmm. because it was a 1-0 win. Yeah. They, yeah. It's been, I don't know if they've had another game like that this no, season. No, it's the first one this season. Yeah. You know, just a a one goal game. We haven't seen too many Division of those. Rival. Yeah. Some of your battling for playoff position for. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I liked seeing the outcome of that game for that reason. It's something we hadn't seen yet this season. Um, I took Mr. Peyton Turnage to the Ducks game this week. And one thing I noted was. After the first period, in the second beginning of the second period, they kind of changed their style a little bit. Where before they were driving to the net and taking shots, after that they were kind of, you know, taking slap shots from the point and screening and going for a tip. It didn't pay off, but I could see them implementing a different style in a reaction to the way the other team is playing. They adjusted. Yes, which. <laughs> Is something we hadn't seen out of this team in quite a while. I can't recall the last time we saw adjustments. So it, it was good to see. And, you know, on one hand, the style Peter Laviolette was playing with worked for a good long time, and it paid off well. They There's plenty of banners that wouldn't be there, but it was time for something different. Time for the next. Yeah. And, I mean, I know it's, people argue, well, David Poyle's done it before to make the coach change in midseason. Yeah. How many decades ago was that? Yeah. Like, in his Nashville brand, he has not made midseason coaching changes. This is only the third head coach in team history. Yeah. And we're in the third decade right now. (laughs) And that's the other thing I saw a little bit of was, like, um, you know, uh, like, people saying David Poyle should be fired and stuff like that. If anything, David Poyle's been too good. (laughs) Like, there were so (laughs) many years when it's like, well... Maybe you don't play as well. We get a couple extra good draft picks, you know, and no, we're going to, you know, keep trying to play hard and win and everything. And remember, every general manager makes mistakes and makes good trades. Yeah. And good signings and bad signings. Can you judge them for it? Absolutely. You can be critical of the bad ones and the good ones and things like that. That's But that's their job. It's, it's risk-taking. In mm-hmm. any sport, when you're a general manager, you're taking risks on making certain deals. No one's ever 100%. Yeah. They really aren't. And luckily, luckily, at least this franchise overall has done well in his tenure, and you haven't had an opportunity like what happened with the Islanders before, where you sign a goaltender to like a 13-year deal. 
That is ridiculous. Or you offer all your draft picks for one player. What kind of person would sign a deal like that, Justin? (laughs) What kind of idiot person would sign a goaltender for that long in Long Island? Boy, I wonder, is he still around? (laughs) Maybe you've seen him in passing. Maybe. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe maybe a time or two. Um, but yeah, it's it's so it's yes. Please be critical of yeah. moves, but just know that <clears throat> it could be worse, could be better. In sports, and things happen. It's always a gamble. Yeah. And people point at some contracts, but how many of those contracts would you say were a bad idea at the time? For example, right. the Turris contract at that time, he was playing really well with Fiala, and he finished the season strong. And yeah, absolutely. At that time, everybody was talking about that's probably the deal to make. Yeah, because he chose to sign in Nashville. Yeah. The only reason that trade happened was because it was a trade and sign. Yeah. That's how it worked. Yeah. Because that means he chose oh, yeah, Nashville. yeah, that is how it went down. No, I mean, yeah, he yeah. signed. As soon as the trade happened, it was announced that he had an extension. Yeah, they were coming off of the like Eastern Conference one goal game seven where, mm-hmm. you know, over time, they were one goal away from going to the uh, Stanley Cup final against Nashville. Right. You know, he was a big part of that at that time. Why wouldn't you do that? Right, so at the time, yeah, yeah. In context, it's real easy to for us to look back together and be like, "Well, that sucked." Right, but that's not the reality of the well, situation. People are even judging the Bonino deal, yeah, for a while now. You think four mil ish? That's when that deal was signed. I said four mil is going to be tomorrow's like two and a half to three mil, right. and that's exactly where we are. Right, like four mil is nothing. Nothing though. <laughs> nothing. So Bonino producing what he's producing is producing as a four million dollar center. Yeah, right now. So, yeah, but just be glad. Yes, I know James Neal scored here and there, but what a contract that is for somebody to have. Yeah. So, there, it, things could be worse mm-hmm. in terms of contracts, and Yossi is playing to his new contract already, even though it's not even kicked in. Yeah. But he's performing this season. He's played better since they made that deal. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and so, and, and the good thing now, you have bye week and all-star break. Gives guys like Ellis and Sissons time to get healthy. And who knows? Sissons is going to have to battle his way back into the lineup, I think. Mm-hmm. Because Blackwell has done has played his role fairly well. Yeah. Even though Trenton got sent back, the, the Milwaukee Admirals obviously can use him way more because they're going into a break. Mm-hmm. So give him time to play, which makes total sense there, too. Yeah. But Sissons, even though he signed his new deal, yeah. he has to play himself back into the role. Yep. So it's but that's that's what you want. You want guys having a battle, especially for a new coach. You want battles to be taking place during practice to impress, so not lackluster. Mm-hmm. That's what you need out of this team is people that are battling hard for and not getting complacent. Mm-hmm. And I know people would say it, but the team was getting complacent and might not have been totally front of mind complacent, mm-hmm. but it's more of a hey, yeah, we just gotta make the playoffs kind of complacent. Since we're on the subject of like the the break, um, going into All Star Weekend. What do you think about all the players opting out? What do you like? What's your personal thought on those decisions? I get it. Yeah, I get it. I totally get it. That's why it'd probably be better for All Star to happen at the end of the season. Yeah. Like if you're gonna do that, you could do it at the end of the season. You could even have it before the playoffs start if you really wanted to, mm-hmm. because be like that 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 in between time. Mm-hmm. Now, you're not going to get playoff teams playing in it. You can do it at the end of the season, and then it's the middle of June, and it's <sighs> right before the draft. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, hard. It, it's hard to judge all-star games for any sport, even though I think hockey and 
basketball probably do it the best mm-hmm. in terms of fan entertainment. But all-star games are best for the hometown. Nationally, pe- people watch it on TV. It's not as big of a deal. People mm-hmm. watch it on TV. But for that city, for Nashville, when it was hosted mm-hmm. here, it was awesome. And that was so, that was the beginning of Nashville participating in a in a lot of marquee. And they events. killed it, yeah. And they killed it that weekend with the, the weather was beautiful. Remember, yeah. it was sandwiched in between two winter weekends. Yeah, and it was that weekend of sixty plus or sixty nine, seventy degree weather, nice. bright sunshine. The week before that was like rainy in forties. The week after that was like rainy in forties. Yeah, and it was the one beautiful week in January for Nashville, and it. It, they knocked it out of the park, and everybody thought, this is Nashville in the winter? No, today, Monday, is Nashville in the winter, where it's like in the cold, teens. dreary, and a little bit of precipitation, but not enough to actually do anything. We can play in it. Yeah. That's frozen, and maybe some schools will close tomorrow, but it's not enough to actually do anything with it, but frustrate you. Yeah. That's Nashville in the winter, mm-hmm. dreary, um, and cold, but not necessarily bitter cold, just cold. For the most part. And then the next day it'll be whole warm. But to get back to the answer to the question, I don't know of a better way to do it unless it's maybe a little later in the season, but then games count more mm-hmm. and you get the trade deadline. All these different things. Yeah. I kind of like how some individual teams are doing their own individual skills challenges. Yeah. Which are pretty neat. That's one thing I've heard talked about is, you know, for like hardest shot and like the skills competition stuff, bring on whoever is the best on whatever team. So right. have your own, send that player, regardless of if they're in the actual all-star game or not, which I don't think the players would enjoy because then, you know, you've right. got to spend your holiday break. In- right. Because <laughs> let's face it, the skills competition is what's most entertaining yeah. for people. Not the game itself. No. It's all about the skills competition. That's what people are paying attention to and you're waiting because the shock factor. The mm-hmm. surprise of, oh, they did it. That's what's fun. Or the fastest skater. That's what people are cheering on. The three on three, I get it. It's the best that it's probably been mm-hmm. in having that format for the game. But it's still nothing special aside from the skills competition. We were kind of spoiled in Nashville because it was the first year of three on three and all right. of the John Scott stuff John happened Scott, at the, the same booing time. the Patrick Kane thing. <laughs> I mean, it was pretty incredible to yeah. see all that take place. That's what made Nashville special yeah. as well. I can't wait to see that in the John Scott movie if and when that ever oh happens. God, yeah. But I mean, it really, the All-Star game really is for the hometown. Yeah. To, for them to get celebrated <clears throat> and enjoy this. And for St. Louis, it's a big deal for them. They're coming off a cup win so they get to celebrate by having an all-star game, which is pretty cool when you think about it for them yeah. to get that kind of experience. If they're getting that put on their plate. But I, I don't know, man. It's, it's tough. Let's say you're leading the team in goals. You're used to traveling around the East Coast, big big cities, and you're Florida. Mid, and you're in your mid-30s. Yeah. And then they say, okay, so everybody else has the weekend off, but you're going to St. Louis. Hell no. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know if those listening have all been to St. Louis, but don't. (laughs) St. Louis sucks. That's um, at Gump and Chase. Yeah, that's correct. (laughs) Um, It's basically Southern Illinois. (laughs) On the other side of the river. Yes, but you get all the culture of Southern Illinois. Now we'll say their zoo is really nice. Sure. They import those animals, though. Oh, my God. Those aren't native St. Louis animals. Oh, my. Native St. Lusians? <laughs> Louisians? Well, like... Lusians. I, I went to St. Louis. Lusians? <clears throat> Aleutians. No, yeah. it's Alaska. Um, 
there was that weekend a few seasons ago where it was Predators Blues at two o'clock, and it was All right. it was Cubs Cardinals that evening, and it was like this big sports day in St. Louis. So we went to the Preds game, Preds uh, Blues game, and then we were like, we're gonna walk around the stadium, see what the vibe is like, and then head back to the hotel. It was part of the watch. sweep of the Blues that yeah. weekend. Yeah, and then we'll watch the. Um, Watch the baseball game from the hotel room. So we go and walk around. Everybody was just a dick. Nobody, like, St. Louis people are not nice people. Well, remember, that's after a cup win. It was like that before a cup win. See, and that's the whole thing <laughs> with. So I did wind up going to one Blues game, but if I can help it, I'm selling all of my other games against the Blues because they were shitty to deal with in Bridgestone Arena when they were sad. Right. Now they've got stuff to be happy about. Right. It's going to be horrible. <laughs> fair. <laughs> that's 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 fair. Yeah. That's Gump and Chase. Yeah, at Gump and Chase. Gump and Chase. Get at me. Yeah. But to get back to the All-Star, I, I totally get why Ovi. I mean, look, he's continuing yeah. to break to break records. Yeah. And climb his way up the chart and everything. And- so why? Take the one-game suspension. Yeah, he did all of that stuff for years. He doesn't have to anymore. He made himself indispensable for them. Yeah. And now he's old and needs the rest. Yeah. And, and he has a family, too. Yeah, and things have been going pretty well for him since he started doing that. Yeah, so take the one-game suspension. Yeah, why not? Get healthy. Let the young guys go and have fun, which is totally cool because they get to make a name for themselves. Yeah. There are plenty of young kids out there, too. You, I wonder if the league will like line up the schedule where it's like, all right, well, if it came after the All Star game, it's against the Penguins. Like, oh, make it against man. like a big divisional rival. I wouldn't put it past. I wouldn't put it past. <laughs> Whereas, you're really gonna sit this game out? Yeah, come on, Ovi. Oh God, I can only imagine. Yeah, um, but you know, there is a predator that's playing in the All Star game that definitely deserves it. And that's Roman Yossi. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I can't think of anybody else on the Predators who deserves to go at this point. No. Like there isn't the the next closest person I'd view as the MVP on the team right now is Benino. Yeah, well, I mean Ellis in terms of his point production before yeah, the injury, but, yeah, he would, but he still wasn't up there in terms of being able to represent the central like yeah. that. But he he was having a good year. Yeah, thanks Corey Perry. What a dick! <laughs> what an idiot! Did you see what he did? Yes. Against, yeah, and Stalock was pissed. Of course. Yeah, I mean took his helmet off and everything. It's like, yeah. dude, you just got off a of suspension. Mm-hmm. You you just had the walk of shame on national TV because mm-hmm. of what you did when in 38 seconds into your shift, your only shift. Did you see this quote from Staylock? Yes. So just read to, it. Yeah, Staylock on Corey Perry's knee to his head. How much time was left on the clock? It's a six or seven nothing game. I don't know what you can do to help yourself. I don't know why you can't help yourself there. It's clearly a knee to the head. It was only a week or two. It's not even three minutes into an outdoor game. He elbows a guy in the head. He can't help himself. Hopefully they look at it. There's no need for it. He knows it's, he's wrong. He knows he's making a bad play. It's stupid. Um, yeah, they're getting blown <clears throat> out. Yeah. Blown out by Minnesota. And apparently he had run into Salok earlier as well. So he knew what he was doing. He absolutely knew what he's doing because he's a dickhead. Yeah. And he I, looks like a dickhead. I saw Carcillo tweet about it because obviously he's very vocal oh, yeah. about head injuries in oh, the yeah. NHL. And he said that's something that's 
something I did when I was playing just to piss off the goalie. Yeah. So it's they need to take that stuff a little more seriously. Like I, I, I know head injuries and things like that. It's improved over time within the NHL, but I mean, well, and let's look. Let's look in terms of what's being used as the weapon here. Mm-hmm. Elbow pads. We all know those are very thick, mm-hmm. hard plastic, right? Yeah. So elbow to the head, definite injury there. Okay. Knee pads, hard plastic on the knee, mm-hmm. on the leg, the whole shin, where if you get someone the right place, especially just a, a goaltender helmet, yeah, it's going to ring them. The only place really, if you're going to try to get someone and not hurt them as much, is probably your butt or your mm-hmm. fist with the glove on it. Other than that, you're covered in hard plastic. It is, it, you're using it as a weapon because you know you're protected because the injury is going to happen to the person that's getting the impact. Yeah. That's what makes a dickhead right there. You're using your elbow and going towards someone. I don't care if it was unintentional or not. You said it's because the way you're playing makes it intentional because you're in control of your body. Just like Johansson with his thing. Mm-hmm. Just like Ellis with his thing before, too. If you want to reduce headshots and head trauma and head injury, it's got to be across the board. Take off your gold-colored glasses. Take off your colored glasses for any team you root for. If you have a player that is making dangerous hits, they need to pay for it. Mm-hmm. And, it, yeah, incremental as it goes up, but they have to realize that it is more than just, oh, yeah, you're going to pay a $10,000 fine. Oh, whoop de fuck it do yeah. That's not as that's not enough. It's got to be bigger suspensions to where they re, they're feeling the burn. Yeah, got to make a player feel the burn to realize I have to change the way I play, or mm-hmm. else I'm not going to be able to play the game anymore. Corey Perry obviously doesn't give one shit about this because he's not changed the way he's played. Yeah, it was <laughs> years between suspensions and everything. But look at all the other things he's done, like the spearing that he's done, the spearing mm-hmm. against Rene, all that shit during the playoffs. Corey Perry can fuck off. Yeah. So this is Corey Perry's January. Um, first Nashville, zero points, penalized for a headshot resulting in two goals. Uh, Detroit suspended, L.A. suspended, Anaheim suspended, uh, San Jose suspended, Colorado suspended, Buffalo, zero points. Minnesota, zero points, penalized for a headshot resulting in a goal. He's not a good player anymore. No. And he's obviously frustrated and he's taking it out on other people because that's all he has left. That's all he has left. He's always been that abrasive player, <clears throat> but... You know, he could make it even worse by making good plays and having a lot of goals and things like that. But, you know, those days are behind him, and now he's just a shithead. Yeah. Get him off the ice. Yeah. He's gonna. He's legit injuring player. I mean, look at Ellis. Ellis has been yeah. out for a few weeks now. Well, that game was a few days ago, and I haven't seen anything on the um, player safety Twitter account. It'll probably be a little bit because of the break. That guessing. could be. Um, I, I think they're on break also, just yeah. like Nashville is. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, anyways, um, so let's get into, you know, you went to Disney and all of that stuff and universal yeah. and what, let's Winter hear a little so bit lot, about lots that. of traveling the past yeah. few weeks. So just got, just got back though from the Savannah hockey classic. That's right. Want to mention that cause college hockey and it was huge and it was awesome. There are five, over 5,000 people in Savannah Pacific center to watch Florida, Florida state, Georgia, Georgia tech. Mm-hmm. play hockey and it was awesome the governor showed up the governor of georgia showed up florida brought a damn alligator onto the ice georgia had uga um georgia tech had the ramblin wreck on the ice and florida state couldn't get anything approved by the athletic department because athletic departments suck um with the way they handle things like this so it, but it was lots of fun to see these teams go out there lots of good hockey was played lots of big fans showed up i mean it was it was awesome to see this in savannah it happens every year in mlk weekend mm-hmm. so Go to Savannah on MLK weekend and watch some college hockey. It is an incredible atmosphere. 
they put on there. So that happened a day and a half after I got back from Orlando. Yeah. <laughs> so my suitcase is still downstairs because I just got back from Savannah last night. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Orlando was fun. That was the lovely birthday Christmas gift from my girlfriend, mm-hmm. Alex, to send me there because I had not been to Orlando since I was eight. I hadn't been to any of these parks since I was eight. Um, when Hollywood Studios was MGM Studios, <laughs> uh, Universal was just Universal, no Islands of Adventure or anything. And I mean, I went to Disneyland when I was a senior in high school. That was different because it was Disneyland. Yeah. And I was a senior in high school. And so we rode some rides, but it, more, it was just hanging out. Mm-hmm. So uh, this was definitely unique and special. But what was neat, and these are like the tips that I wanted to provide people, was Universal, which has Harry Potter and both the Islands of Adventure and Universal, right? So we get there. First of all, our flight was at 6.20 in the morning. <laughs> so had to get up really early on that Saturday. Mm-hmm. And we land. We make it. To, so we lose an hour going there because it's Eastern time, right? We land. We were in the park by 10.40 in the morning. That's a good time. Especially because it's like, what, an hour, 30-minute flight, hour, 40-minute flight? Yeah. So we between landing and into the park, it only took us about an hour, 10 minutes. Getting the rental car and everything, going straight to the park. And the good thing about renting from certain rental car companies, check this, folks. You're like, we got ours from Budget because there are three rental car companies. I think it's Budget, Avis, and Payless, I think, are the three yeah. together. You get updated. You get upgraded to preferred parking at Universal. Nice. So if anyone's been there, you know that parking garage is like a mile long <laughs> in Orlando. Getting the upgrade to preferred saves you about half a mile of a walk. It's it's and it's $10 more, so basically you're getting a $10 coupon. You already pay the $26 for parking. You get a $10 coupon, basically, to get upgraded to preferred, which puts you right on the walkway to CityWalk. So right there, we got the the, the express passes, because they're not fast pass Universal. <laughs> they also have, like, different copyrighted names between Universal and Disney that the, the wristband that Disney has, uh, they have called it, um, what, Tapu Tapu or something at Universal. <laughs> it's even the even the guides kind of make fun of it. Like, yeah, we had a couple of different names because Disney has copyrights on some of these things. <laughs> tapa tapa tapa. Uh, no, so we got the express passes because I'm like, we're here at about eleven o'clock. We don't have the full day. We get the express pass. We get to cut most of the lines, at least the general lines, and only get in line with express pass people, which was totally worth it. It was an upgrade of I think. Um, $89 a person on top of the ticket price, worth it. Absolutely worth it. The only one not included with ha- was Hagrid's Rye, which is the new one. that just opened like back in the summer, late summer there. So I'll get to that in a second, though. But we got all the rides we wanted to get to between the two parks. So it was definitely worth it to get the park-to-park ticket for two days and that. And then also get the express pass for it because then you're cutting the lines and everything. Did everything I really needed to. Try my first Butterbeer. All that stuff. I went in the Minions ride first because it was right there and that was a mistake. <laughs> um, I just, it was just one of those things I'm like, oh my god, the pre-queue. Some of the, some of the lines, pre-queues are cool. Yeah. Some of the rides, pre-queues are like, can we just get to the damn ride? You mean the character middle-aged moms use for memes wasn't interesting? Uh, where it's the little picture of the Minion and it's like, yes. if you can't handle me at my worst, you I know. deserve me Oh my, my god. So here's the thing. I really, I do enjoy the Despicable Me movies. Yeah, I do enjoy them because they're cute. And minions are cute. The ride in general, though, I tend to not prefer those. To, or it's a large group and you're experiencing something together because you yeah. can just look to your right and your left, and then the fantasy's broken. 
Mm-hmm. I prefer rides where it's like you're in a car with maybe eight other people and then you're doing all the movements because then you feel like you're enclosed in it. Mm-hmm. Anyways, but... Just to... What? When did the sassy like t-shirts <laughs> and stuff like that switch from Tinkerbell to the Minions? Because uh, when we were kids... You'd see like Tinkerbell on a shirt and it would say like flirty, sassy, or it was either Tinkerbell or uh, Tweety Bird. Right. Oh, the Tweety Bird. I still see some Tweety Bird ones. Yeah. Now it's the Minions. It's totally the Minions. Yeah. It's totally the Minions one. Yeah. yeah. No, you make a good point. But <laughs> so we went to Simpsons Land. Yeah. Which was neat just to go there and got a flaming Mo, not mm-hmm. alcoholic, but fizzy, which is kind of neat. Um, did not get the donut. Sorry, po- folks. It's just too big for two people. Like that was a huge. How big is donut. the donut? The donut. I'm trying to think. Yeah. The donut probably equal to about six donuts. Mm-hmm. But it's huge and thick. Maybe so, six. So it's like a cake. Yes. Okay. It really, really is. It's huge. I wanted to try it, but I'm like, we're gonna go. To, it's gonna go to waste. So I got a crusty burger. Nice. <laughs> um, but here's the thing I didn't realize because no. it'd been again a long time since I've been there. <clears throat> the Simpsons ride, which is Krusty Land, mm-hmm. was the Back to the Future ride. Yeah, I did not realize that the movements in the car are the exact same as Back to the Future. They just updated everything around it. Mm-hmm. I did not know that because we went on a VIP tour the second day, and I'll get to that in a second. And there's a YouTube video out there of someone watching the original Back to the Future ride, the video associated with that, while on the Simpsons ride, and it all still matches. Like, it's completely, so they didn't have to reprogram it, they just redid the video uh-huh. and matched the video to all the movements that are already programmed in the cart. One of those interesting rides. Um, but here's the good thing, too. For those of you that have met me, I fit on every ride. <laughs> but this is something I was worried about, because I've, yeah. I've watched some of these videos, and I want to make my own video... For this, because I watch a lot of these videos and there are people that are way bigger than me. I'm in that husky zone to where I think on some amusement park rides, I probably won't fit. Mm-hmm. But at Disney Universal, obviously Disney. Disney's not a worry at all. No. Universal still had some t- tight fits where they had to give one extra push to get the green light. Yeah. But I fit. So I'm like a size 44 waist. Obviously, that means I'm bigger because it goes underneath my gut. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but then again, remember on these rides too, it depends if you're, you could be too tall. You could have too big of an abdomen. You could be yeah. in really good shape, but if you have broad shoulders, you might not fit. See, that's the problem I run into because even when I'm thinner, like, and I go to Six Flags, I have to like crunch my spine down in order to get mm-hmm. the. And like at that point, it's like, okay, well, yeah. And have the ones that go against your shins, and so that's quenching you up more when it goes against your shins, yeah. pushing your gut forward. I'm like, I got green on the tester. You made me get green, and some of those are on the movie conveyor belts. They're having to like go. But I fit on every single ride. I didn't. I only had. I don't want to say I had a problem. They just had to give one little extra push because they wanted one more click. Everything clicked. Obviously, they wanted. Let's get one more click. Will you be okay? I'm like, make it happen. <laughs> click. Good to go. Great. I'm great. Uh, um, Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. I'm gonna have fun. <laughs> Wait. Wrong park. Uh, <laughs> um, but that. So that was cool. Just everything there. Now, here's the big kicker, and what I'm gonna recommend to everyone. Day two. We did what's called the VIP experience at Universal Studios and Ides Adventure. So it was a two-day, it was a two-park VIP experience. People are like, that sounds expensive. Like, it was. It was definitely expensive. You have to have your park ticket. And this added on, I think it was, because the, the price varies depending on day of the week. 
demand, things like that, time of year, all that stuff fluctuates. Totally understandable that it fluctuates depending on peak times, right? Mm -hmm. So I believe it was an extra $200 a person on top of the ticket price, which was $189. So we paid a lot of money for this, but this is what the VIP includes. One, valet parking. Everyone knows how long the walk is from the parking garage is just a city walk and then city walk to the parks. Valet parking puts you at city walk. You are right there. That's a $65 value. Nice. So think about $65. You paid over $200 with the tax and everything. Yeah. So $65 from that already, there's some value. You get in, you get breakfast. It's a buffet breakfast. Okay. You go in there you get with plenty of healthy options as well, but some not so healthy options. And lots of bottles of water that you can take with you. Nice. How much is a bottle of water in the park? Five, six bucks, right? Yeah. So we took... On a good day. On a good day. So we took... Total during the day, we probably took like six of them. Six. Let's do six times five. That's 30 bucks right there. So we're at 90 bucks already. So we also include a buffet lunch. You think of buffet lunch there at these parks, you're probably going to spend, what, 35, 40 bucks a person is what it would be if I have all this value. So there's $80 right there. And then for the two people, and include lunch is from all the different islands throughout both Universal Studios, they have the food mm-hmm. there. So you don't have to worry about going to concession stands or the sit-down restaurants. They have all the food there. So there's five different areas mm-hmm. of food you could eat from, plus desserts and everything, plus for bottles of water, plus soda, if you wanted it there too, is included. And you get 45 minutes to eat there. So we stuffed ourselves. Nice. Then it also gets you a 10% discount at the parks on any merchandise. So, of course, Harry Potter, all that stuff, 10% off. That adds up because I spent probably $300 in merch. 10% off of that, save 30 bucks. Okay, that adds up. Then your VIP pass also turns into an express pass when you're done with your tour. So then you can continue to go on and cut lines and rides. But then here was the best part for me. The VIP tour, it's cut to front of line. Not just cut the standby line, but cut to front of line. We're talking, we went behind a closed door. Our tour guide took us to the front of the line, told the person the number, and we walked right on the rides. So Hagrid's Magical Motorbike Tour, which was a two-hour wait, the very beginning of the day, we walked behind the scenes and got right on the ride. That's two hours saved. Uh, Forbidden Journey, Harry Potter, was a 90-minute wait at the time. Walked right on. Even past the Express Pass people where I think we waited 20, 15 minutes maybe before. Boom. Right on. Any of the rides, we're talking some of them had, you know, hour-long wait, 70-minute wait, 50-minute wait, 30-minute wait, any of those cut to the front. So the tour guide, who was awesome, his name's Douglas. I highly recommend him if you ever go. And because he said he's hopefully not working there because he's been there for five years. But if he is, recommend him because he is a film major at UCF. He knows his stuff. So if you appreciate movies and movie trivia and talking about movies and film, he's awesome. So I obviously loved him. Nice. And he was great. And his trainer, who was just evaluating him, uh, is also a professor of engineering at UCF. And so he knows about all the rides and how they're made and how they work. That's cool. Which I also nerd out on. So it's perfect for me. And then with our group, they can have a max of eight people. We had four, including us. So we got to go on everything so easily. So we even cut for line at the Hulk, which was like a 70-minute wait. Front of the line. Boom. Rip Ride Rocket. Boom. So that was just all awesome. Plus he's given us this trivia. We went behind the scenes to production tours, production stages, production offices. 
took us to Spider-Man to show us how the ride actually works into the maintenance bay to show us all the different things of how they're made. Took us in the mummy ride to see where the King Kong ride used to be mm -hmm. in there behind the scenes and what happens and how these rides are operating and stuff. Um, showed us some stuff for the E.T. ride, which is the only original ride at Universal now, and some of the names that employees have popped into the system. For those of you that don't know, E.T. says your name mm -hmm. on the ride. And so he they, they delete some of them, but his was Popcorn Princess. And E.T. said, thank you, Popcorn Princess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so all this stuff, you're guaranteed in a VIP experience, 8 to 12 rides. We got in 12. Nice. And it's seven, it was 7 hours. So this is the reason I recommend this is if you are short on time or if you want to hit up a lot of different things in Orlando, you could do both parks in one day with this VIP experience. Therefore, you're not having to buy tickets all the other days to Universal again and Express Pass and everything. You have it all right here, especially if it's on a longer hours day. Mm -hmm. Totally worth it because, as we all know, time is money. Because the more time you have to spend at these parks, the more money you have to spend each day you go there. So if you're planning three mm -hmm. days... At these parks, unless you really want to ride these rides four or five times, it gets you into everything. So I can't recommend enough the VIP experience at Universal because it was absolutely fantastic, the experience we had. And what we read pretty much in the reviews were it depends on your tour guide. Other than that, yeah, you're getting what you're paying for, but the tour guide puts it up to another level nice. for it. And that's why I loved it because the two meals, all the bottled water, the valet parking, the discount, <clears throat> plus Hagrid's ride is the only ride not an express pass. So even if you have an express pass, you still have to wait the hour and a half, two hours to ride that ride unless you're in the VIP, which gets you to the front of the line. Yeah. So it was awesome, man. For sure. It was awesome. So highly recommend that. And then we did Star Wars and Hollywood Studios the next day and got up really early in the morning. Got there at 10 to 6 a.m. Mm -hmm. So 5.50 for those of you that, you know. How, how <laughs> many people were there already? Thousands. Yeah. Thousands of people before 6 a.m. It was so dark out. Yeah. Thousands of people were there. And here's the thing, if you're going to, I know I'm talking a lot, but this is like my tips and tricks portion of the podcast. If you're going to Hollywood Studios and want to ride, want to ride Rise of Resistance, you have to get there early. Mm -hmm. Cannot stress that enough. You have to get there early because you cannot get a boarding group, which is what they call it on the app, because they're not doing any lines at all for this. You have to be checked into the, the park, meaning your ticket has to be scanned and everybody in your party has to have their ticket scanned in order to get in a boarding group with you. In the park. That opens at 7 a.m. Or the out, it opens at an hour before the park is scheduled to open is usually when they're opening the boarding groups. That's why you get there early because you want to get into the park, make sure you're in the park and connected and well enough into the park that they'll let you in like an hour and a half before scheduled opening just in the main street areas. Yeah. Then they open the rest of the park for walking at 7 a.m. <laughs> and open limited rides at that and plus your boarding groups. We got on a boarding group 56. At 7 a.m., meaning there are 55 other boarding groups that got filled in because there's thousands of people there. They can only guarantee you a ride up until the 80s. Yeah. Depending on how busy it is in the day. They got up to like boarding group 120 something our day. Yeah. But again, if you want to ride, you got to be there early because that's how it is. And then for Smuggler's Run, we did single rider line because it was an 85 minute wait. And like, we can't guarantee you'll be together. We're like, we don't care. I just want to experience it. It's okay. We end up getting on a ride together. Yeah. Waited a total of 10 minutes. <clears throat> Single riders is always the way to go. Especially um, for rides like that. Yeah. Um, Radiator Springs Racers in California yeah. Adventure. That's a big one for the... Because, like, you can do the fast pass for those together. But then, you know, ride it two or three more times. Right. You know, in half the time of waiting. You know? Right. 
And so a lot of those things open early. We didn't realize that they opened up the Star Wars rides and they opened up Slinky Dog and a couple of the, the Toy Story ones and they opened up Tower of Terror and, and Hollywood, sorry, the, um, the Aerosmith one, uh, Rock and Roller Coaster. Yeah. They opened that up at 7 a.m. even though the scheduled open time for the park is 8. Mm-hmm. So we got a good parking spot, did all that stuff. Make sure you make reservations if you want to build a lightsaber. Make reservations for the droid build if you want to do that. Yeah. Because that will take up time to stand and wait by line. Oga's Cantina need a reservation for. We did all this though and left and went to Epcot, rode four rides at Epcot. Nice. What'd you ride at Epcot? Um, <laughs> we did um, Spaceship Earth, mm-hmm. which was so outdated. It's 30 years outdated. Yeah. And they're going to close it down apparently very soon for two years to completely renovate it. It ends with the introduction of the home computer. Well, that's that's in the weird globe thing, right? Yeah. I would assume it's difficult to renovate. Yes, it's supposed to be shut down for two years. Yeah. But then again, you think about it 30 years ago, that was like with the animatronics and stuff like that, because it's a continuous yeah. track thing that takes you up and around mm-hmm. and everything. It was really cool. <laughs> they updated the video mm-hmm. in the screen, so that's updated, mm-hmm. luckily, but they're going to do more. Um, we did Mission um, Mars. Yeah. We mission space. We did the Mars portion of that, which you know spins you around and gets you that actual zero gravity feel and pulls you down with the G forces. We did the Finding Nemo ride, mm-hmm. and we did Soren, and we had all those rides because we didn't wait longer than ten minutes for any of them, and we did the two hours left and watched the closing show. Mm-hmm. So um, going back to the whole animatronics thing, uh-huh. <clears throat> Pirates of the Caribbean and Haunted Mansion mm-hmm. at Disneyland. Those are always my favorites because they still hold up. Like the yeah. animatronic technology is still oh, yeah. super impressive. And Epcot's under major construction. There's so many areas that are shut down because yeah. renovating it. But they're, when they reopen, it's going to yeah. be huge. They're doing a mass renovation, yeah. which is awesome. Which is going to be great because that's one of those places where it should be at the brink of technology because of what it was meant for yeah. when they built it. Not just the cultural part, but the technology part. Yeah. So it is going to be awesome when they open that again and have the huge celebration. It's going to be massive, so I can't wait to go back to see what it's like. Well, that park's still popular because that's the drinking part. That is the drinking park. You can drink your way around the world. Yes. <laughs> and boy, do people drink around the world. Boy, they do. <laughs> uh, but it was just neat to go because you already paid for parking at Hollywood Studios. You just show them the receipt at Epcot. You can go to any of the Disney ones and have to pay for parking again. Yeah. Plus, we had a park-to-park pass, which made it a little easier. Because like, let's go watch. Let's go do Soren. Let's just do that. Yeah, yeah. we're fine. So we hit a lot in in three days. Yeah. You had a short time there. There's so much uh, uh, Disney that you didn't see that I would want to see, like the whole Avatar thing. Oh, yeah. Animal Kingdom is my next. Yeah. It's interesting. Like, because of Disney Plus, like, I've never had a reason or a desire to seek out the Avatar movie. Mm -hmm. I was like, man, this can't hold up. And I watched it, and it it holds up pretty well. There's going to be, like, what, six more? Yeah. But, like, the visuals, like, you can tell they took a lot of time and effort and mm-hmm. expense into the visuals of that because there's movies that come out today that look horrible. Um, I know which one you're going to say because I saw the trailer for it. I, we, were, we went to the movies today, Justin and I, and um, I said, this movie looks horrible. I got up and went to the bathroom while the preview was on. It was the Call of the Wild. Yeah, Call of the Wild. Uh it's, it drives me crazy with Harrison Ford because, like, he talks crap about, you know, Star Wars and Indiana Jones and all those. And then you do crappy movies like that. With like, a CGI dog. Yeah. I still want to go see it, though. No. I'm still, I'm still going to go see I'm it. I'm out. 
I know you're out. I'm out. By the way, we went to go see 1917 today. You have yeah. to see this in the theaters. Yeah. It is not going to hold up as... I want to say it's not going to hold up, but yeah. you're not going to experience like you need to experience it unless you see it in the theater. I'm disappointed it was in Dolby for such a short time because that Dolby theater would have been spectacular. Oh, can you feel? Yeah. Feel it. Yeah, but they took it out and like then... One weekend, wasn't it? Yeah. Like, now Doolittle and uh, Bad Boys, whatever is... I get Bad Boys more because it's action movie. Yeah. I Like, who's going to see Doolittle at all, let alone in the Dolby Theater? I want to go see it, because it's Robert Downey Jr. Are you going to go see it in Dolby, no. Justin? Of course no, not. No, I'm not going to drive all the way to Cool Springs and I can see it here. There's certain movies I'll drive to Cool Springs for to go watch in the Dolby Theater. That is not one of them. No. 1917, I was I like, would totally do. Yeah. yeah. I was like, I want to see this one in the Dolby Theater. Absolutely. Also, there are so many Blumhouse movies coming out, it is mm-hmm. insane. Um, did you see Knives Out? I not yet. I just, you, you gotta go. I know. I you know. Got to. Because I've heard so. Obviously, my girlfriend saw it. Yeah. I've been able to see it yet. It's just schedule wise, and it worked out that 1917 had a morning show, which I love going in the mornings if I can. Yeah. And I was able to pull that off. Well, no hockey this week. Go in the evening. I know. Still have a radio show though. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, well, I, yeah. I got to come up with a new trivia question. Yes, yes, you do. <laughs> got to figure out all that stuff. But hey, we finally got caught up. Yep. <laughs> so thanks, Cameron. Thank you, Justin. Bye.